This is a free download from Delancey Elim Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elim Church building at La Banks St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us to find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. morning of being a slave or being a son being a slave or being a son sometimes we I don't think we really grasp the, the power of sonship and I just want to talk on on really on sonship of what it means to be integrated with a child of God wow and something about that doesn't really always get to the very core of our hearts and I want us to just maybe just think about this uh, John 15, and we're going to just build on this this morning. John 15, verse 15. That's better. No longer I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. For I've called you friends. For all the things I heard from my father, I have made known to you. I just want to talk about this whole sense of of sonship. Isn't it great? I just pray. Someone just group us this morning. Wow, the awesome, amazing truth that we are children of God. We're sons of God. And that's true for male or female. We're sons, okay? We're sons of God. And I think we need just a, a revelation to live out of our identity as being a child of Father God. I find it sometimes that we fight for something we already have. We're kind of trying to fight to be a child when we already are one, rather than fighting from the position of being a child of God. I have to actually think that the, vision, the reason why we don't have maybe great visions for our lives or great dreams for our lives is because we've never fully comprehended that we are children of God. We've never been convinced of our sonship. We kind of maybe know it'll be in our heads and we know all the verses, but something in our hearts has never really been fully convinced that we really are children of God, sons of God. And often if we've never comprehended that fully or never allowed that truth to get deep into our hearts, it affects our ability to dream. It affects our ability to have a vision for our life. Walt Disney said that if you can dream, you can have it. So if we can dream something, if we can see it in our heart, see it, then we're going to have it in our lives. But because of lack of comprehension of sonship, it just affects the vision we have for our lives. Our lack of understanding of, 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 of sonship causes us not to have a very high expectation of what God can do in our life. It's amazing how never comprehending this can limit and hold back our life. But when you comprehend it, when you get it right down in the depth of your being, I'm a child, I'm a son of God, it just changes everything about you. 
It changes how you relate to people. It changes how mostly you relate to God. It changes your ability to, to, to believe yourself, to have a destiny and purpose and everything else in life. It comes from this incredible sense of destiny. I am a child, a son of God. Can you say amen? Here in this verse, as Jesus speaks, he says you are no longer servants. It, it's the Greek word doulos, which actually means slave. And he's saying you're no longer slaves. No longer in a position of servants. But I just want to, Jesus really wanted to say, I want to lift your status. I want to lift your status of how you comprehend and the way you see yourself. You know, God revealed who he was through his names. Through various names in the Old Testament, he began to reveal something of his character, something of who he was. But the one name was revealed only for Jesus to reveal. It was the name Father. And Jesus brought revelation and revealed who Father is. If you've seen me, you've seen Father. And much of his preaching, much of his teaching was to bring revelation of the Father heart of God. And he says to his disciples, you are no longer slaves. Remember, they were living under Old Testament. It was just solely based on obedience. If you obey, you're blessed. If you disobey, you're cursed. And they lived, if you like, under that requirement of just obedience. And Jesus says we're going to elevate this, this view now. Instead of just being slaves, instead of just being obedient, now it's all about friendship and relationship. It's all about being related intimately to Father God. And I think God has got a heart for you and me. That we don't just live our lives with doing this or not doing that and and. And we think that's what it's often all about. But it's actually seen ourselves that we've moved into freedom that we're child of God. We're in a family. And here's a lovely thing. We are family of kings. We are royalty. Isn't that great? You are part of the royal family. I love it. You, your DNA that flows through your heart, through your life, is God's DNA. God now comes and resides in your heart. And you have royalty within you. You are royal. You're a king. You're a priest. That's how you've been elevated in your position. And here's the thing. God wants you to know that in the depths of your heart. He wants you to get a hold of it. He doesn't want you to live under slavery. He doesn't want you to have a slave mentality. But he wants you to represent him as a king on earth. Amen. Now look at Exodus. Exodus chapter 1. and Let's see how this flows through the Bible. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 13 to verse 14. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives 
harsher with hard bondage, in mortar in brick, in all manner of servants in the field. All their services in which they made them serve was, was rigor. And the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. Uh, so we just leave it there. For obvious reasons, but no, I just uh, that. So it really is the point that the children of Egypt, the children of Israel in Egypt were powerless to do anything about their situation. Powerless to save themselves. Just like us in a sense, we were powerless to save ourselves from sin. We needed a saviour. They couldn't resist a taskmaster they were subject to. I found this, people who don't know God want to lead a better life, that they want to be different. They don't maybe sometimes want to do the things they're doing, but they find it almost impossible to change their life. So these Israelites lived, if you like, with a slave mentality. There were slaves in Egypt. And I think we, although we are called to be kings, can live a life of slavery. We can live in slavery. Or I can put it this way. We live with a victim mentality. We've got to shift our thinking from, from sonship, from, sorry, from victim mentality into kingship and sonship. I think so many people live with a victim mentality. And a victim mentality is when we refuse to take personal responsibility for our lives. And even though the, the feelings and, and all the thoughts affecting our life, we tend to blame others to what's happening in our world. We find it very hard to take responsibility. We either blame our fathers, we blame our mothers, we blame our teachers, we blame it was this, it was that. And there becomes a prevalent victim mentality. And there's the thing. If we always think somebody else is to blame, we're never going to change. Because we never think we have the ability to change in life. And there's one to get hold of. That kind of slave mentality, that, that, that kind of thinking, I think is rooted in this. The Bible terms it as an orphan spirit. You know, I think maybe three years, three or four years ago now, well, yeah, my dad died. Something struck me right there. I'm an orphan. An old one, but I was an orphan. It kind of just hit me for the first time. I am an orphan. Isn't that amazing? It kind of hits you like that. But you know what? Physically... You may not be an orphan, but you know what? Spiritually, you can have an orphan spirit. You can see yourself, and I think a lot of Christians live with an orphan spirit. They may not be physically orphans, but they are in slavery because they have an orphan spirit. They've never had a true revelation because an orphan spirit is rooted in the belief, I'm in this on my own. A victim mentality that believes that whatever they're facing, whatever they're going through, they've got this to face on their own. God is wanting us to become kings, but the more we allow that orphan spirit and that victim mentality to get a hold of us, we never live as a king. 
Not because God hasn't positioned us in that place. Not because God hasn't made us into that position, that condition. It's because in our minds, we still live as orphans. And we still have a victim mentality that resists what God wants to do and to make us into kings and priests. Here's one thing I found. You can't cast out an orphan spirit. Because it's a way of thinking, it's a mentality that grips people's hearts. Because it's rooted in bitterness, it's rooted in abandonment. I'm on my own, it's not my fault. And the only way we begin to get out of that whole system is begin to change the way that we think. Instead of seeing ourselves as orphans, we see ourselves in a place of sonship with the living God. Can you say amen? Now look at John 14. John chapter 14. And I want us to get hold of this. I think this can be a major issue in many lives. I know for... I've struggled with this whole concept of sonship and and living with an orphan spirit. John 14, verse 16. Let's Let's just look at verse 18. This is what Jesus said. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In other words, Jesus, if you like, had a fathering spirit. He came to reveal the Father. He began to reveal to his disciples what Father's like. He said, I'm not going to leave you without a Father. I'm not going to leave you without comfort. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I'm going to bring you into a relationship with Father so you live a life of encouragement, so you're able to, to be encouraged and blessed because he says a Father shapes your identity. And so if I never have a vision of Father, my identity will never be fully shaped. The whole way an identity is shaped is through fatherhood. He said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you fatherless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to bring you into a whole new depth and you're going to see yourself as children and sons of the Most High God because there's no in-between. If you don't see yourself as a son, if you don't see yourself as a child of God, then you end up living with an orphan spirit, never feeling like you belong, never feeling encouraged, never feeling secure, never feeling the love of God towards you. And so you live in a distant place from Father because your heart has been rooted with an orphan spirit. You could have had the, great, you could have the greatest father and the greatest mother in the world, but that doesn't mean that you won't live with an orphan spirit. It's because it's what you believe, what you see in your mind about yourself. That's the key. Look at Romans 8, verse 14. This to me is one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit. It's to bring us power. The Holy Spirit comes to make us effective witnesses for Christ. 
But there's another role, what the Holy Spirit does in the believer's life. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You didn't receive a spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption. Where we cried, Abba, Father. The word Abba there is the Hebrew word Daddy. It's the most intimate word for God. And as the Spirit of God comes to dwell in you, He comes to bring you a revelation that you are a child of God. The Bible speaks of a spirit of adoption. I believe that is actually an experience. That is actually an encounter. When you encounter in your heart, something clicks in you, you get a revelation, I'm a child of God. I lived for a lot of years without ever really experiencing and encountering a spirit of adoption. I never really fully understood the love of Father, and so I lived a performance-based Christianity. Because... I never had a concept. I never had a true revelation. I was a child of God. I knew it. I never had a revelation of it. Let me see the difference. Never really got a hold of it in my heart. Never comprehended it. And so I lived with an orphan spirit. Performance, struggling, striving, never really living out of relationship with Father. But the Holy Spirit caused me to encounter an experience of adoption. I believe that's what Jesus encountered on his baptism. Remember that? Where the father said to him, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But that right there in that moment, he experienced acceptance. He experienced a sense of who he really was. A spirit of adoption grew and gripped his heart. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to have that spirit of adoption and not to live as orphans. Ever thought about this? You belong to Almighty God. You're one with Almighty God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. And so the Holy Spirit comes to impart the life of God. He begins to reveal who you are. He says, when you mess up, he says, you're better than this. You're a king. You're royalty. You're a son of the living God. You don't have to live way below your privileges. You don't have to live with that condition. You don't have to live in that position anymore. You are a child of God. And he begins to reveal that to your heart. And something in you cries out, Abba, Daddy. The spirit of adoption, that, that cry of intimacy flows from the depth of your being. Christians can live their whole life without ever really encountering the cry of intimacy that reaches out to Father and Father embraces your heart. You are my child. You belong to me. I've adopted you. You are fully in my family. Amen. And it just changes your whole life. Can we say amen? Now what takes place, unless that spirit of adoption gets inside us, you know what can happen? We can live, as the Bible terms it, as an elder brother. Remember the story of the prodigal? The prodigal and the elder brother. Often we focus on the prodigal. What about the elder brother? I think he was actually further away than the prodigal was. 
And I just want to think that and look at the symptoms of an elder brother syndrome, which is really an orphan spirit. The evidence, the, 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 the signs, if you like, am I an elder brother or am I living out of revelation? I'm a child of God. Let's look at the story. And let's look at Luke 15. Well-known story, we know so well. If we always look at the prodigal side of it, maybe not the other side. But let's just let's tell you what first. Let's see how the setting of this story. What was the setting of this story? It's interesting of why Jesus told this parable. The, the setting of it. And you see right there the setting of the story in verse one. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, "This man receives sinners and eats with them." So he spoke this parable to them, saying, and from this time on, they're all parables about the Father heart of God. They're revealing the, the, the love of Father. They're revealing how easily people can become an elder brother. And let's look at the story in elder brother. And it seems it's in verse 25. Now this older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. So he called out to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because, he, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you, get, you never gave me a young goat that I might receive merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed out a fatty car for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have in yours, it was right that we should make merry, and be glad for our brother was dead. He's alive again, was lost, and is found. Let's just look at some of the kind of the elder brother syndrome. Notice this, and this always strikes me. The elder son could not celebrate. There's no celebration in his heart. It's amazing that, that when we lose the joy of sonship, we lose the ability to celebrate. Celebrate. That's what we're really doing this morning. It's about celebration. No joy. When you're an older brother, there's no joy. There's no celebration in your life. You find it hard to celebrate anything in life. That's why the Bible comes so much about living in the form of things. Outward exteriors, where there's no heart in it. There's no celebration in it. There's just a form of, of, of religion and no real true celebration of life. Nothing causes you to have joy. Nothing causes you to celebrate. Because that orphan elder brother syndrome has gripped your heart. There's another thing to notice. The elder son is in the field. Listen to what he says. He says, literally, he's saying, you never touch me. 
like you touched somebody else. You never poured your glory on me like you poured on somebody else. You never did miracles in my life like you did in others. Because he had no revelation of sonship, no revelation of the Father's love, he just served in the house. He had an orphan spirit, no revelation of the Father's love. And so he served, he had a slave mentality. And as soon as he heard the son had returned, his heart was closed up. No celebration. His heart was too closed. Too closed up to release joy, celebration. His heart was too closed within him. The Bible says that he would not go in. In other words, he began to come into isolation. I think when people have an orphan spirit and bitterness and abandonment gets in their heart, when something happens that knocks them emotionally, they withdraw. They withdraw from relationship, they withdraw from connections, and they begin to isolate within themselves. Every time you find yourself, when you hit an emotional battle or struggle, every time something in you wants to withdraw yourself, I would suggest that maybe at the core of your being, there's that sense of an orphan spirit. I think there's that struggle with feelings of rejection, resentment and loneliness and isolation. When those things are in us, Instead of responding right, instead of, instead of doing what we know we want to do, something in us just wants to isolate. We want to pull back. We don't want to reach out. We don't want to somehow engage. We just want to isolate ourselves because that orphan spirit causes us to withdraw and it causes us to shut ourselves down, particularly emotionally. We are just so, we are just shut down emotionally. We can't connect. We can't identify. We just are shut down emotionally because of the orphan spirits working within us. And really, one orphan spirit is simply this. Really, I, I term it this way it's a lack of the Father's love in the heart. There's almost a lack of Father's love in your heart. And because of that lack of Father's love in your heart, you isolate yourself and you live with the pain. You don't process it or deal with it because there's that desire just to want to withdraw and pull back. Here's the next thing. Notice this. He couldn't rejoice with others. Couldn't rejoice. He couldn't think, isn't that absolutely wonderful that my younger brother is returning? He couldn't rejoice. Instead, he was saying, this is not fair. What about me? He couldn't rejoice with the blessing of his younger son. Your inability to rejoice with somebody else often is an evidence of the orphan spirit. If you can't rejoice with somebody else's blessings, instead you're saying, that should have been me. I should have got that. I should have had that. Your inability to identify, your inability to rejoice with others' blessings often is evidence of a lack of revelation of the Father's love and provision for you. There's almost this sense 
you know, I should have what they have. I'm not going to get anything. So, in other words, if they've got a bit bigger piece of the pie, then what's left for me? That kind of thing. You know what I mean? Ever had that? You know, you know. If they have that, if they have that, like, if they have that amount of chicken, then what amount of chicken's left for me? Ever had that at dinner? And that's where it is. In other words, if they're really blessed, then maybe there won't be enough blessings for me to have. An inability to rejoice. And so deep inside there becomes hidden resentment and anger. You may say, oh, I'm so happy you're blessed. But it's through gritted teeth and inside you're resenting what they've got. You, you find it hard to, to, to just acknowledge and, and rejoice with somebody else's blessings. And God says, it's because of what's going on in your heart. It's almost that the moment we see somebody else is blessed, we think there's something wrong with us. And so we can't rejoice with somebody else's blessings. See, when you're filled with the Father's love, you're happy for everybody, is that right? They get a new car, you go, I'm so pleased, I'm so glad you got your new car. Even though I ain't got one, I'm really glad you've got one. You know, when they get the job promotion and you haven't got one, you think, I'm so pleased, I'm so thrilled for you that you got that job promotion. When you see God using someone, you say, I'm so thrilled, so excited the way God is using you. You're not jealous or envious of what they have because you are so secure in who you are and what God is doing for you. There's something else. Listen to what he says. He says, I served you. When we serve God out of praise for men, well, maybe we can serve God to kind of find our identity. As long as service is no longer motivated by God's love and by a need to be needed, it actually, you know what it's going to produce? It will produce resentment and anger. You'll never do it without feeling resentful that you're not appreciated about what you're doing kind of thing. And this, here's this, here's this son. He says, I've obeyed you. This son that rejected you, you've welcomed him in. And he was in the field outside, we're told, of father's house. Because of his negative attitude of, of self-love and jealousy, emotional and spiritual things began to distance him. In other words, he began to distance himself from the father. Because of his negative view, because of his negative attitude, he began distance both emotionally and spiritually from father. And this is what happens. When a person withdraws from father's love, he begins to gravitate towards legalism and insecurity. And I could tell you story after story after story of how deadly legalism is in a person's heart. I could tell you families that have been totally split in half. I can tell you of a whole generation that's been lost when legalism grips hearts. It destroys, it eats away, it ruins all kinds of things when legalism gets a hold of, of that heart. And this older brother, we're told, was, if you like, was, was driven to slave in his father's field because he thought he had to earn his position in the family. That was his problem. 
He thought he had to earn his position in his family. He didn't realize his position was already secure because of his relationship. He couldn't earn him. He couldn't earn and work to be a son. He already was a son. And because he never grasped that, he slaved and spent hour after hour serving in his father's field. The thing it led to was he became passive. Notice what he said. He says, you didn't have a celebration for me. But the father says, you know what? All you had to do was ask for one and you could have had it. And so resentment began to grip in his heart. And then notice this. He began to find fault with his brother. You know what he said? He says, this son of yours has spent money on harlots. The Bible never says that what took place. In other words, he was looking for further fault to accuse his younger brother. And that's what happens with an orphan spirit. I think an orphan spirit causes often people to be fault finders. They usually have a critical spirit, always blaming others, always finding fault, always full of accusation. And whenever we feel we don't feel valued by God, you know what happens? Then we expect others to earn their value from us. You see that? Because we don't feel we've we've earned that relationship with God. Because we don't feel we're valued by God. We think others have got to perform for us. We think they've got to do certain things to earn our love. To earn our relationship. And so he doesn't come out of unconditional love. And often it leads all kinds of effects in relationships out of that way. And there's the next thing. He says... He never asked for the party, and he failed really to believe in the grace and the goodness of God. And there's the point. If you never really believe in the grace and the mercy of God, you never position yourself to receive it. And he would say here this morning, we need the grace. Everything we do, we need the grace of God to do it. Where's the point? If we have an elder brother spirit... We, we feel we've got to work to earn it. And so we never really truly put ourselves in a position to earn grace. How do you earn grace? By saying, God, I need it. If you never see your need of it, you never receive it. It's only when I come to the point and say, God, I can't do anything without your grace. I see how limited I am. I see how, how, how much I've failed and how, much, how weak I am. And I come out of my weakness and say, God, I need your grace. I need your grace to do what you call me to do. You know what the grace, what grace of God really is? It's the ability to do what you could not normally do. That's what grace is. It's God giving you the ability to what you could not do naturally. But until you, receive, until you see your need of grace, you'll never have grace. An orphan spirit can never see its need of grace. It will never see how graceful God is, how good God is. It will always struggle with those concepts. And so you never really allow the grace of God to flow into you. It's because of of the barriers that are there. And notice this. The Bible says, this is the worst condition of all, really. He becomes cold of heart. He had no heart for the lost. He said, I'm in the field. I'm busy in my field. It's all about me. And here's what happens when the orphan spirit. It begins to cause our hearts to grow cold. 
Our hearts grow cold to people. Our hearts grow cold to the lost. Our hearts grow cold even to God. It begins to cause the heart to grow cold. And there's something else. It's unable to respond to Father. This is what God said to him. He said, actually, everything in my house is already yours. It's already there. You've never received it because you've never been in a position to receive it. And that's what God wants to say this morning. That everything we need is ours. He's provided all the resources. He's provided all the power. Everything that you could need is available to you. The only barrier is a victim orphan spirit that holds and resists God from pouring out all the stuff he wants to pour out. He's generous. He wants to pour out his blessings. He wants to pour out all his grace on undeserving people. And he longs for us to go back to his house and enjoy the blessing that he has already made available to us. He says, God, I'm no longer going to live an orphan spirit. I'm no, gonna, no, no, I'm no longer going to live my life without a revelation of the Father heart. I don't want to be an elder brother. How many don't want to be an elder brother? I want to live in the fullness of the grace and the mercy and the ability of God for my life. In other words, what we said this morning, I just want to enjoy his loving embrace. I want to enjoy God. See, an orphan spirit, one thing it will do, it stops you from really enjoying God. Isn't that amazing? A lot of Christians live the whole of their life but never really enjoy God. Never enjoy saying, God, you're just amazing. You're just incredible. You're just awesome. I just enjoy being with you. I just enjoy reading your word. I just enjoy being in your presence. I just really enjoy being around you. I live a life of celebration. Because I realize I'm a child living in Father's house. Can you say amen? There's this thing. How you overcome an elder brother syndrome. How do you deal with it? Let me quickly finish with this. First thing is, here's a big one. Recognize the symptoms. You know, if, there's, if we have some physical condition, we recognize we have a certain physical condition because of the symptoms. Look at the symptoms. Are you striving to earn God's approval? Do you require perfection for those around you? Do you have a devaluing attitude when this perfection is not achieved? Is there rivalry in your relationship to others, jealousy, even competitiveness? Is nothing in your life ever good enough? You know, nothing ever seems to be good enough. Whatever, how amazing, how awesome it is, it never seems quite good enough. You can never seem to really enjoy it. That's a symptom right there. Here's the next thing. Move to a state of repentance that reaches to the core attitude of the elder brother. Say, God, forgive me for believing the lie about your nature. Forgive me for believing the lie that I need to work to earn your acceptance. You know, I think one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is against fatherhood, against, the, against a revelation of a father, being a father. How did Satan attack Jesus? Think about it. He says, are you a, if you are the son of God. In other words, he wanted him to question his sonship. And the way the devil attacks us is to question our sonship. You've messed up, so how can you really be a child of God? If you did this, how can you possibly be, be a child of God? 
If you said that, how can you possibly be a child of God? So he continually questions our relationship. He continually attacks our sonship. And the moment those thoughts get into us, they begin to cause us to distance. He's the father of all lies. That lie that tells us, unless we perform well enough, we will never earn his love. That's a lie from the father of lies. And so we need to say, I repent of receiving those thoughts, of accepting lies about the character of God. There's the third thing. See yourself the way God sees you. You are loved by Father. Be continually filled with how much Father loves you. Just allow his thoughts to grip your heart. You know, the Bible says that the thoughts that God has towards you are more than the sand on the seashore. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of thoughts. Think about it. Think of every granule of sand on every seashore on the face of the earth. That's a lot. That's a lot of, that's, we can't even count it. And God says, those are the thoughts I've got toward you. God is continually having amazing thoughts to you. Remember what we said in Jeremiah 29, 11? The thoughts that I have toward you are not thoughts to destroy you, but the thoughts to give you a hope and the thoughts to give you a purpose. Think God's thoughts. I think I shared a few weeks ago about Peter Pan. Remember Peter Pan? When he, when he had good thoughts, he began to elevate, he began to fly. He had a bad thought, a negative thought, boom, he fell again. I think there's a great spiritual truth in that. When you begin to allow negative thoughts about about who God says you are, then your life begins to just slowly kind of fall. But when you allow God's thoughts to impact your heart, impact your life, and you begin to believe them and act upon them, your life begins to rise up. Can you say amen? See yourself the way God sees you. See yourself as created in God's image. And here's the other thing. Can you open your heart? Learn to open your heart to people. Learn to open your heart. Can you open your heart with your spouse with your deepest hurts? Are you, are you free to show praise and affection and encouragement to others? Are you free to love people around you? Because that's what God wants for us. And so he says, look, I've not left you as orphans, but I've come to give you a spirit of adoption. Just come before. I just thought, just I want to stand for a few moments, just to come and just to stand in His presence for a few moments. Just open your heart right now. Maybe you say, you know what? I can see the certain symptoms. Maybe not all the symptoms are there, but the certain symptoms in my heart that cause me to struggle with an understanding. Of my relationship with God. Maybe you just see that. You know, I, I can see an orphan spirit at work in my heart. I see the way I react. I, I see the way things affect me. I see the way that I react to all kinds of things in life. And I recognize that the root of that is right there as an orphan spirit. I've never really had at the core of my being the love of Father just poured into my heart. And I've got a revelation of how Father loves me, of my sonship, of my true connection with Father.
I just want you to open your heart right now. Let all your barriers down, let all the walls down. And let Father pour his love into your heart. Let the wrong perceptions, the wrong concepts of Father just be broken down. Don't allow the elder brother syndrome to get right down into your heart. Maybe you're aware, you say, you know what, I just feel so judgmental. I feel constantly critical of people all the time. and I'm constantly looking for a perfection that people can never meet. And I'm looking, and I, I think the problem's in them, but maybe the problem's in me. Maybe the problem's in my heart. Maybe the issue lies with me that I'm not allowing the Father's love and the Father's embrace to surround me. Just open your heart now and say, Father, I need your grace. Pour your love into my heart. Pour the love of Father in. Shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit, the love of God. Just open your heart to him right now. Then just come close. Then come near. Don't be like the sun in the field. Come into Father's house. Come and enjoy all the provisions Father's got for you. There's amazing forgiveness there. You know, there's amazing anointing and power and blessing, love, joy, peace. There's amazing provision in Father's house. Just come into Father's house and say, Lord, I'm running into your house today and embracing all the provision, all that you've made for me. I'm not going to be isolated, living outside of Father's house. I'm running into Father's house. Father, I just pray right now for every heart. Father, you know, it's probably the biggest thing we struggle with in, every, in, in all kinds of areas of our life today. Father, I pray today, would you pour into our hearts a revelation of your love for us? Father, I pray right now, would you break any elder brother syndrome over our lives? But we don't want to be people who are performing People who are living in that field, outside of your house, outside of your provision, never really enjoying all the benefits that you died to bring us. And Father, right now, we want to break that orphan spirit over every heart and every life. Father, thank you that you said that, Lord, you've not called us to be orphans. But Lord, you've not called us to live a life of, of being fatherless. But thank you that you've come to be a father to us today. Thank you through the blood of Jesus that we can know your Father heart. We can live in intimate closeness with you. and We can know your Father heart into our lives. And Lord, I break every lie of the enemy, every lie, every deception over every mind, every life. I pull those lies down. I pull those deceptions down right now in the name of Jesus. And I release your peace. I release your joy. Lord, we want to live in the fullness, the fullness of joy, the fullness of peace, the fullness of all that you have for us right now. Would you pull that right now into every single heart? Ground us and root us in that affection. We want to live with the Father's affection. We want to live according to Father's mission. That we may do all that you've called us to do. Oh Lord, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 